Hi there. They shut up. This is legal AF live. They're, you know, oh my God, I'm just looking at them. They're, they're talking about very, very offensive, horrendous, uh, horrendous, um, abuse that the court and the court clerk has had to endure. Um, so I just think that it really is a powerful motion and I don't think anyone should have to endure this type of abuse. And, um, and it's so clear that it's coming from what Donald Trump is doing and saying about, about these individuals. And, you know, look, they have, they, they have a right to the fair and orderly administration of justice too, and of the court, right. To make sure that the trial goes smoothly. And this is not, this has nothing to do with free speech. This has everything to do with harassment and abuse and conduct. So go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say that, um, when the full panel gets all of this evidence on full briefing, um, I would be surprised if the gag order weren't reinstated. And we'll discuss in the next topic the limits of the First Amendment. You can't just take the cloak of the First Amendment like it's some sort of superpower cape, and it therefore allows the wearer of it, in this case Donald Trump, to say and do whatever he wants as a participant or a criminal defendant in the justice system. There are just limits as to what lawyers and participants, as opposed to what he wants to characterize himself at, as over and over again, which is just, I'm just a heckler, just a heckler's veto, just yelling out stuff about things I like that I don't like that I see. I'm just, you know, all those things that you read out loud, by the way, all those people have the First Amendment right, not necessarily to call chambers and leave that message, have the First Amendment right to do it. I got one this week, and I don't normally get one. I got one from some crackpot, uh, uh, and it was very similar to some of the things that you read out loud. Uh, but uh, this, is, this is the price that we pay for being in the public eye and for... Uh, but we're not administrating the justice system. We're commentating on the justice system, and that's different. And so um, the good news is the same judge, Justice Friedman, he also stayed the trial of the case before the trial even started for about a week, and that got vacated and reversed by the full appellate court. So it's not like his track record is whatever Friedman does is usually upheld. So far, whatever Friedman does in the case is usually not upheld by the full appellate panel, whether he holds an oral argument and a full hearing or not. So... Um, so what I would say is, as we seek a segue into the next uh, gag order topic, is that I would be shocked after full briefing and an oral argument um, on an expedited basis, whether the, the first department, because of the precedent that you've talked about, the need to draw the line in the sand, not just for Donald Trump, but for other Donald Trumps or Donald Trump himself in the future. They have to set precedent that can now be, pardon me, now be cited. So. Let's with that. Let's move on and um, and hit quickly the the um, appellate argument that was just held by the three judge panel, randomly selected D.C. Federal Court of Appeals about the gag order that was entered by Judge Chutkin. What's the common theme here? Donald Trump is out of control. 
attacking participants in the criminal justice system or the justice system against him from judges to prosecutors to attorney generals and to witnesses and their families. And uh, the judges are struggling to try to come up with ways to stop it without crossing over into improper prior restraint or violation of a First Amendment rights of somebody who just also happens to be running for the highest office of the land. And that's where that's the needle they have to thread. Or as Judge um, Millett said during the oral argument, we've got to come up as an appellate court with a surgical way to both protect the, the, the fair administration of justice and the Sixth Amendment rights to go with it to, to uh, a fair and impartial said, jury, if you will, lawyers. and the First Amendment rights of this person who's also a participant in the criminal justice system. All of these, as they kept reminding the, mainly the lawyer for Donald Trump arguing, there are competing interests that have to be weighed. Donald Trump doesn't want to weigh a darn thing. He wants to throw away the scale and says, I'm cloaked with the First Amendment. I am super Trump. I get to say and do whatever I please because I'm running for office and people like to listen to me. That is not how the First Amendment nor the interest that what courts have to do to balance the competing interests. These I'm, uh, <clears throat> tweeting a message to Opak. Wonder if that fucks up my uh... These interests compete. And that's what judges get paid to do. And that was where John Saro, not to be confused with John Laro, who's the day-to-day -day criminal lawyer for Donald Trump, John Saro, who's a MAGA right-wing a lawyer who constantly appears in front of Congress claiming the Biden administration is, you know, is, is conspiring against you know, all other people through their social media feeds. I mean, he's, he's nutty too. But you know, he got up there and right away, you know, his little car went into a ditch. As you and I and Ben expected, I said the first question out of the box, which apparently Mr. Sorrow doesn't follow our show because he would have been better prepared. I said the first question out of the box from the panel was going to be, let's understand the limits of your argument. You agree with me that he can't say everything and anything, right, your guy? Yes. And you agree with me, and this was Judge Pollard, and you agree with me that uh, the, your, your client is subject to not violate law, right? He's subject to laws. Uh, yes, but he has a First Amendment right. But your guy is not above the law. You would agree with me, right? Right. Okay. And, and so you, you also agree with me there are criminal statutes on the books that um, – <laughs> stop certain things like witness tampering and other misconduct by participants in the trial setting, right? Yes. So is your position that the only thing that a judge in a trial setting can do to gag are things that are already crimes on the books? In other words, nothing short of a crime can be the subject matter of a gag order? Well, and then he couldn't answer it. She said, well, no, wait, wait, you're here arguing a position. This is the natural extension of that position. Where do you draw the line? We need to balance. You don't seem to be balancing at all. You think the First Amendment uh, vetoes all other rights and, and administration of justice, and that's not what the case law said. And then Judge Garcia, who's a, who's a Biden appointee, no, no, no less, he jumped in and said, all oh, the case law that you're relying on actually goes the opposite direction. And which means you're not being credible as an advocate in front of a pallet panel, which is a dangerous, terrible place to be. Then when we saw the 
the lawyer for the Department of Justice get up there. I mean, they gave it to him, too. I mean, the, I've been on hot benches where they give it to both sides, you know, sort of to be equal and balanced and fair and balanced. But they are concerned. You can tell. And I think that it's going to be probably my guess is Millet is going to or Malay is going to write the order. But she is concerned. She used that phrase. We have to come up with a surgical way to balance these competing interests. But they're already, this is my prediction, I'm going to turn it over to you. I think there are four things are going to come out of this. They're going to find that the judges, Judge Chutkin's findings of fact, that Donald Trump did these things, that bad things happen and consequences happen when Donald Trump acts this way, that violent rhetoric has real-world impact. And they're going to accept that as true, that she did not abuse her discretion in making those findings. They're going to find that a judge, because they're worried about precedent, a trial judge short of crimes can also gag or restrain other conduct of trial participants, lawyers, and um, defendants. They're going to find that. Three, they're going to find the First Amendment doesn't override all other aspects of the fair administration of justice, especially for a trial participant. And lastly, they're going to put another gag order in place. It may not go just as far as some of the language that's in Chutkin's order. They may send it back to her to tighten up some of that language. But I think that the the, the essence of their order that's going to come out in the next week or so is going to be judges can gag below crimes being committed for prophylactic purposes to avoid bad real-world consequences of trial participants, lawyers, and judges, even if they're lawyers and clients, even if they're running for the presidency. And here's the parameters they need to follow in order to thread that needle. That's my view. You had a chance to let it was a two hours, supposed to be a 40 minute oral argument, 20 minutes aside. It went on for two hours. Uh, based on the read of that, I know you've done some appellate work too. What, where do you, what do you think? What, what's your, what's your good faith prediction about what the, what they're struggling with and where they're going to land? So I actually listened to the full two hours of this week. I listened to the full two hours of this. I listened to the full four hours of the Scott McAfee. Floyd, uh, Willie Floyd bond hearing. I, I mean, it was just a lot of, a lot to listen to this week, but I'll tell you the thing that struck me number one about this was they released the video. I mean, the audio. So we got to hear this and it was in federal court and the world didn't end. And so I really, really hope that Judge Chutkin will take from this and at least allow, uh, the audio from the March trial to come out because the more we get to hear these things ourselves and see these things ourselves and there's sunshine and daylight uh, that will actually tell people what is happening, I think the better. And, and there was no circus, there was no problem. So whatever problem they have, the federal courts have with whether it's cameras in the courtroom, at least audio, Supreme Court allows audio sometimes, at least they did during the um, pandemic. And I think it makes all the difference in the world. And frankly, people like you and I can actually have access to this information and we can listen to it for ourselves and we can interpret it for people that, you know, that's truthful, right? As opposed to relying on Trump or his lawyers or even, frankly, you know, the government or anyone on the other side, their lawyers. Like, I want to make my own decision. I want to hear it for myself and I want to be able to tell people what I think, uh, from, from my own, um, listening to it and, and, you know, look, it's it's much better than having to go down to go down yeah. there. And have I just to, don't think she can under the federal law and federal precedent. But I, I like I like that appellate courts post their audio for sure. 
Yeah. Well, look, the judicial conference makes the rules, right? And the judicial conference is the one who who decides, but I don't see any, and they've studied this before, by the way. So this is not a new issue for them. And I, and I really think that uh, maybe she can call upon them or, or somebody can, can get them to, to do it anyway. But back to, back to where we were, um, this, this was a hot bench, as they say, right? This was, despite being Biden and Obama appointees, I thought they were equally um, tough on both sides and equally fair on both sides. Like they really were listening and they went much longer than the time allotted, which I, shows me they're really interested in what people had to say, what the lawyers had to say. And they were really kind of pushing them to try to get them to, especially the defense, right? The Trump's lawyers, uh, he, he re really took a hard line, right? It was a, this, this absolute hard line and there was no reasonableness. There was no, there was no reasonableness in his position. He was very much the one who said, look, you know, this is political, core political speech, right? This was a term that, that he used, a term of art. Um, this is core political speech, which in his view made it much more than just speech, right? It's like this super special protected speech, even more than, than the First Amendment. And as a result, there's nothing that you can do to limit it, period, full stop. And, you know, I don't think that sat well with the court. I think they said, look, you know, we're asking you for guidance. You know, we're here to, we're here to set some kind of, you know, put a, make there be a line between what you can do and you can't do. And we have to balance interests, right? There's competing values here and competing interests between protecting free speech and the interest in protecting the right to a fair trial that belongs to the, both the public, the government and the defendant and, and in protecting people like witnesses from, from abuse, harassment and et cetera, or, or, or other things. And, and really what he was saying, what the defense lawyer was saying is, look, if anyone were to threaten somebody or intimidate someone or harass somebody, that's actually a crime. And so if they actually do, if Trump actually crosses that line of threatening, intimidating and harassing, that's covered by a crime, you know, right? Everything else is speech and is fair game. It's free speech and fair game. And that there's, there's nothing in between, right? There's no kind of ability to have, uh, protect the court proceedings. And that that's kind of what he was saying. And I don't think the court really bought that, right? He, they basically said, look, this is not, at, free speech is not absolute, which we know. And you want to accommodate as much as you can and not obliterate Trump's right to free speech as a candidate. But at the same time, you can't allow him to attack people and put uh, lives in danger, right? And so, his his refusal to give a line of where that line is, uh, I think, really made it so that the court's going to have to draw that line themselves or just adopt what the prosecution said. And, you know, look, one of the things they were talking about was will attacking the prosecution influence the jury? Right. Because a lot of this is going to come. A lot of this really falls into it's about protecting the fair 
administration of the trial, right? Making sure that that nobody's influenced by outside information or outside pressure. You want witnesses to come in and testify truthfully. And, and you know, that that's what one of the major concerns. And, and that's one of the things that the court has an obligation to do, right? To ensure the fair and orderly administration of justice. And so, you know, one of the questions they were asking was, well, how will the attack, how will attacking the prosecutor influence the jury or the witnesses? You know, Jack Smith has thick skin. And why shouldn't Trump have the right to fight back when others are bringing up his transgressions and these trials during the campaign, right? They go on the debates stage and everybody's attacking him. So he has a right to fight back and call this a political prosecution. He has a right back, you know, to fight back and, and say the things that he's going to say. So I do think they're going to give him some leeway, obviously, um, to do it. But, but, you know, at the same time, they're going to have to figure out how to protect witnesses so that they don't have to be, you know, deal with, with this whole, um, with, with, with the consequences, you know, and, and one of the things they focused on in this oral argument was a word that Judge Chutkin used in her order, which is to, you know, target. He's not allowed to target certain people. And I think that's a word that's a little too vague and not very precise. And they argued a lot over what does it mean to target. And so I wonder whether that's going to be what, what they clarify, right, of what, what does target mean? Or are they going to send it back down to Chutkin to ask her to clarify? Um but I think that's going to be one of the one of the areas where I where I, I get the impression that that they were a little um, hung up on 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 what does that word mean, um, and and the other thing that kind of was was front and center in the arguments was the defense tried to argue Trump tried to Trump's lawyers tried to argue that these any threats or anything that happened was a long time ago. It was in 2020 and nothing's happened recently. Um, but, you know, they said, wait a minute, what about the, if you're coming after me or coming after you right after the indictment? And the response was the woman who was on, you know, the woman who came forward and, and was arrested by the FBI because she was going, you know, made death threats against Tanya Chutkin. And, and the defense attorney's like, oh, no, no, she's just a, an unstable, lives at home, alcoholic. You know, that that is, this is not anything, this is not a Trump person. This is just an unstable person. You know, they really tried to move away from that um, and, and really kind of said, look, this is not a, this is, you can't restrain someone's speech because you're worried about what a third party might do. Um, but that's not something you're allowed to do. And, and, and so there was a big, there was a, a really big discussion about that, right? If Trump says something like, you know, Judge Shutkin's unfair and an animal, and that's it. But then other people go and, and, uh, th threaten or, or, you know, harass or even act on those words how is he responsible for that and that was that was a lot I think a lot was spent talking about that and look you know it, it's true to a sense you can't be held responsible for what other people do but look you know he said on on CNN right during that town hall with Caitlin Collins he said my followers listen to me like no one else he knows what they do and we have enough evidence in the record of him saying things and the next day you know there being actions by others so I think they're going to 
put some line in the sand. I think they're going to clarify what target means and there will be a gag order, but then it goes straight to the Supreme court and God only knows what they'll do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I think they're going to issue some sort of gag order. It'll be narrower than the one Chunkin did because it's important. And, um, and, um, but we're seeing again a common theme here on this sort of appellate edition, appeal edition of the midweek of legal AF is courts struggling to apply law and 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 uh, precedent on the books to an unprecedented uh, former guy who's lashing out, acting out, and testing all of the guardrails that we put around our justice system. So the justice system is supposed to be the guardrail, and he continues to challenge it. We're going to pick up next with a uh, quick overview of what happened and it could be a template and a blueprint for what could happen to donald trump when willie floyd and black voices for trump decided to act out himself on social media and attack um, co-defendants like jenna ellis and witnesses and prosecutors and um witnesses and other witnesses like the secretary of state of georgia and whether that violated his conditions of release so much that he as phony willis fulton county da argued to go back to jail and then we'll then we'll wrap it up with a uh, an appellate argument that's now been placed in front of the Colorado Supreme Court as to whether insurrectionist presidents are are disqualified from ever holding office again under the Fourteenth Amendment, Section Three. But first, word from our sponsor. Geology is a twenty-six time award-winning skin, hair, and body care company recognized in men's health. Hype Beast, joke. Birdie, Esquire, Ask Men, and Oprah Daily Group. They have on uh, what happened with Fawny Willis and Willie Floyd and sure. what Judge McAfee ruled, and then I'll wrap it with uh, what happened in Colorado. Perfect. All right. Sounds like the punchline. All right. So, look, there's a lot going on in, in Georgia right now. First and foremost, there was a, a bond revocation hearing uh, that just Black voices for Trump. <laughs> Black voices. <laughs> okay, so gonna what a fucking joke. I'm a Public service announcement to the Capitol Police offer you a free tour, don't take it. Pro choice. Adding new people. Okay, here we go. I'm unstoppable. 
this is what I wrote today. Legal AF right now streamed exclamation point. Legal AF minus touch. I'm a
have a why don't you have a Respect.
Oh my god, you're still there. Oh, I thought for sure you weren't out there. Haha. <laughs> well, that was an ASMR. I was just posting some things about uh, indigenous fam. About assigning Howard Zinn's first chapter of Howard Zinn's People's History of the United States for Thanksgiving weekend. It's the first chapter. So let's see here. Best ghost videos? No. Things did not. I'm going to read some headlines for my stash. Things did not go well for Ronald Thump in New York court this weekend. That is the least of his problems. Watch a new legal AF, legal AF live. Got receipts. There's 63. Um, fire appeals hearing trouble in Iowa. If Trump gets wrecked by his own witness at fraud trial five hours ago. Let's listen to that. Let's talk about how the direct examination of a... Well, actually, um, I'm going to have to cut this right now. Bye.